If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited about welcoming the program Corbin Burnson. Corbin, how are you? And uh, we chatted a few times on a few different projects, but uh, how are how are things? It's a different uh, life now, isn't it, than when we chatted a few times yeah, it, on tours? it's a different life. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a different life right now. Um, you know, it's funny trying to mix business in with uh, surviving all that's going on. Um, you know, it, it seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of interviews and talking about stuff, but less and less doing it. I was with an actor friend last night, or lamenting that you know, God, we just can't wait to get back to go to work. You know, I've done more Zoom conferences and FaceTimes, and <laughs> I want to go act again. I know. When is it going to happen, Corbin? But tell us how you've been dealing with things. Have you just how have you survived um, living uh, this different it, life? Yeah. Well, okay, I've, I've done a sort of a unique thing is I, um, I have a house in Los Angeles that, you know, that's uh, been around in the family for years. And I, uh, I basically started fixing it up back at the beginning of the year. And then this whole thing really started went out of hand and I had to shut down for a while. Then everything kind of came back and I found out, you know, essential services like remodeling and building and Home Depot's were open and, I really needed because I'd scheduled this time to do all this stuff. I needed to get it done. Um, uh, you know, and, and as I saw things getting a little bit brighter, I kind of got into that. And then, you know, it's just that, you know, doing all the stuff we need to do, it's very hard to, I mean, if you're going to remodel the house, that's tough enough alone, but do it with social distancing and masks and recently a hundred degree heat, you know, anyway, that's what I've been doing. I'm doing a lot of building, which is good and a lot of writing, but, uh, uh, like everyone, you know, just uh, it's just getting frustrated with with it, but with the politics around it, and, and uh, you know, it's 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 hard enough to deal with it, but you feel like we're we all feel like we're dealing with this other layer of it that's uh, just super intense. That uh, um, I don't know, man. If it weren't for my faith, then I'd say punt. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, when are we going to get back to the normal? But I'm thinking, I'm just hoping 2021, I hate to say that, but at least we can get through, start to develop, get things going, but really just, you know, do projects, do different things and be ready for what 2021 brings. It's going to be here before you know it, which is unbelievable how quick the summer flew by. But yeah, I, I don't think it's 2021. I hate to be a negative Nancy, <laughs> but uh negative Nelly or whatever. I think it's 2023 at the very earliest. Um, so you feel, you use the word normal, nothing is ever going to feel normal. You know, it will to kids because that will be their 
they'll establish normal, you know, um, you know, like for kids, it's, you know, normal to go through, uh, what do you call it? Uh, metal detectors at airports, you know, because <laughs> they never knew when you couldn't. Um, so, but back to normal is not going to be normal, which is a good thing. I mean, I, this is a very, very painful thing we're all going through, but you know, uh, again, I was talking to friends last night and it's, uh, 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 it's it, it, it's kind of a it, it, we were coming to this we were, we were at a boiling point on every level right and uh, it is exposed our weaknesses our vulnerabilities our differences it exposes it exposes all the stuff one doesn't want exposed or we try to cover over and uh, you know United States is like an, an old highway that we keep putting a new layer of blacktop over but um, uh, you know it doesn't mean that the infrastructure underneath it's not crumbling so yeah i think that's where we're at but uh hey and that's why movies like ours that we're here to talk about exactly because they actually do it if nothing else reminds you yes of, you know reminds you of simpler times which uh you know, <laughs> which which was six wanna... simpler times for us corbin was six months ago isn't that crazy but let's talk well, about yeah, when <laughs> i mean i watch different shows and binge watch them i said how are they going to yeah. film movies at one point but who knows Tell us about when we last spoke about about it, first of all, and then we'll go into more of the details. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just it's a wonderful, you know, it's a wonderful story of uh, of rekindling a family, if you will. Uh, I think that's important to all this we've learned. I think we've all learned family is paramount to all things. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you live on, left or right, or you know, uh, you know, it, it's. It's it, family is everything, and reuniting and forgiveness and all those things are extraordinary things. That, that if there is going to be a normal, that's the normal we can return to. You may wear a mask somewhere, you may, you know, but the normal we want is is family. We want, to, you know, even even to the extent of I'll tell you a normal families who can't see each other now because of this, you know. Um, but uh, and it was a wonderful opportunity to work with Melissa Gilbert, who uh, you know, I've known since we were both puppies. You know, and uh, and to work with her was great. And these young girls in the movie were fantastic. Uh, it's just a great. It's a great story that's uh, 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 filled with the human spirit and kindness and and all the things we go through. And uh, um, it's just a touching, sweet movie. You know. So Corbin, why did you get involved in it? I love the script. I love the. I'm always drawn. I'm a little bit of a sucker for simplicity and story. And, you know, I mean, we all want to be these deep, dark actors doing, you know, plays out of the fifties, Arthur Miller tortured, tortured events. Um, But, you know, every now and then you read it, just a great simple script that's filled with redemption and the human spirit. And, um, you know, you just, uh, you want more of that. And that's the cool thing when you talk about like a film like this. It's based on a book. So Corbin, tell us about so right. yeah. So that brings some of the 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 picture to it of hearing people that have read the book to create it as a movie, right? Right. Well, I I I've had the book. I looked over. I did not read the full book. I'll tell you that to be just brutally honest with you. Um, sometimes I'm. Sometimes it's on purpose, and this time it really wasn't on purpose. It was uh, just a matter of time and efficiency. Um, I don't always like to read a book that's a movie about to be made of it because I actually don't like to see movies sometimes or read the book of a movie that I've seen or do the movie or see the movie of a book I've read. 
because <laughs> they're different universes, you know, they're different, they're much different ways of telling the story. So, uh, but I do know from everybody who's read the book and it's a wonderful book and people love the book. I know that, that, um, that, and they have seen the movie that it, uh, it, it, you know, it, it brings to light these wonderful, it brings off the page, these wonderful characters. It definitely does. And it's like, that that's the nice thing. And I think going back to a specific time, a simpler time, but Corbin, when I watch the trailer, I specifically see a lot of stuff, even though it was simpler times, there were still lots of hard times. There was still lots of trial things that people are going through today. They went through in this story. And so tell us about your character. Uh, well, my character is, uh, you know, um, a, a, a guy who, uh, uh, has a, a certain relationship with the family with his children uh and he uh you know he uh he gets thrown with these uh, two granddaughters uh you know at a time when really yeah he has his own son who is killed in action and he can't come to terms with that and he's just you know, he's at a point where he a little bit i feel <clears throat> excuse me some of this in my own life where i'm at a point where you know I love my kids, and I love that, but I'm I'm loving my peace and my time alone and my you know with my wife, and then all of a sudden you got our children's drama has come back into our life, and so there's a guy who's ready to sort of you know settle out on the his own his you know his life and into his life come these two young girls, uh, and um, you know on one hand of course he loves it and it's you know it's his responsibility, but the other hand he he, um, you know, his, all right. Yeah. So, um, you know, family, family is pretty much everything. And it's, uh, you know, I relate to a lot to Walt in this, uh, movie. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's at a point in his life where it's like, okay, I've, I've done my, I've done my job. I've tried my best and into his life comes this, you know, uh, this dilemma of, uh, these uh, two grandchildren they have to take in while his, daughter-in-law is running off her her his son has been you know killed in the war um and he was ready to sort of you know make amends with his life and live it out the way he wanted to and he gets uh uh you know sort of thrown into the fire with these two granddaughters um it's not unlike you know my life i have four sons and uh you know my wife and i are at this point well let's just go do this for two or three months all of a sudden it's well but dad you know and especially now you know trying to you know help your kids sort of sort through all this stuff that's going on um so but um yeah that's where that's where you know is that interesting in the script i could find something that i could tag on to personally and uh and um and you know it bring bring some of my thought process to the film yeah and that sounds like exactly what you're talking about putting uh, that to the film in certain ways and can relate to it in certain ways. And I think when I look at, you know, the girls and look at specifically enough grandparents raising, we're seeing that today. A lot of grandparents raising, raising their, uh, their, their, their kids, kids. And, uh, that's, it's, it's an interesting thing that we see sometimes, right? That, uh, uh, grandparents didn't have to do that, you know, but the fact is in reality, it's always been that way, you know. They, I mean, it's sort of the beauty of the circle, the circle of life is that at one point, you know, the grandparents get to help out the kids with their kids and uh, so on and so forth, and you know, the kids take care of the grandparents as the grandparents 
the parents took care of his kids, you know. Um, and I think, it, yeah, we're moving, we're being forced to move back to that a little bit, yeah. We're definitely being forced to move that um, back to that, and it's a situation. But then once you find out that even through tough circumstances, people can survive through these challenges. That's something we learn in the film as well, well don't we? Yeah, I mean, that's again one of the, you know, you asked why, why do a film like this. I think it's very important you do films. You know, a lot of people are interested in films. My kids are interested in films that sort of have these death-loop you know, kind of endings that are, and I just, I, I just think it's, it's so important to, uh, and again, I was having a conversation with an actor friend last night about it. Films that mean something, but I don't care if you're talking horror films or case films or family films or cartoons, when they strike a chord of the human spirit, it is the better part of the human spirit, um, they tend to be more satisfying. And, um, I think uh, I think that's you know again what this story does. It says that no matter what, through all the trials and tribulations, at the end of the day, you have family. And you know, and again, I'm always very quick to point out, family doesn't always mean exactly what you know we expect it to mean. It could be you and uh, you know one distant cousin, but family is family is family. Um, and I think uh, I think that you know that's kind of at the root of all things. Well, that, of course, love. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's a, that's a great point. And you put together all those different things into one process um, and bring that word love into it and love conquers all. And that's what this film also touched. Yeah, I can hear you. We're again, the good news yeah. is all this, all you know. this, we'll, we'll be able to figure it out. Okay. So last thing I was saying, Corbin is love yeah. conquers all yeah. in this film. And that's the important love. thing is that yes. that's teaching us. Yes, but love does conquer all. That is the big one. That is the big message. Um, and it's true. You know, it sounds so simple. I mean, we were saying that in the 60s. <laughs> love conquers all. Um, unfortunately, in the 60s, they screwed it up with drugs. But um, love conquers all. When we last spoke, we'll be available on Friday. Check out by going to the website and seeing when we last spoke. I appreciate uh, Corbin coming by. You're listening to The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show on the total celebrity segment. And I'm excited. Total celebrity segments, caregiver, Dave, celebrity segment. And I'm excited. Welcome program caregiver, Dave, Dave, how are you? Surgery on Monday. So are you recovering? Feeling no pain, feeling no pain, (laughs) no pain. So, so why is that Dave? Well, I'm on uh, some heavy duty (laughs) drugs. I had some ankle surgery. They said my ankle was a mess and they needed to, uh, take some bone from my hip and then take some more bone from a cadaver because they didn't have enough and they put it all back together again and uh, I just hope these drugs don't wear off. <laughs> all right. Well, we have an amazing guest with, again, her book has led to a movie and uh, I mean, I look at her background, Dave, and I'm impressed and I, I really want to thank her for all the great things she's done uh, for uh, the world today, but go ahead and introduce our guest. Yeah, I actually have something in common with this guest because I also have a book and I'm also having a movie made about me. And so who knows? We, we may be on the same circuit. But uh, Marcy Henna wrote a wonderful book when we last spoke and now a, a film has come out about it. And it uh, deals with stars like Corbin Bernstein and Melissa Gilbert. 
and you're getting a lot of publicity about this. Welcome to the show, Marcy. Thank you. So glad to be with you. So, Marcy, how how are you surviving the pandemic, meaning uh, just coronavirus and how we've been dealing with it for X amount of months? Well, I think the pandemic is difficult for every family, um, but I am fortunate in that what I do as a writer, I can do from home. And, and indeed, also the work I do on the, um, promoting the film a lot can be done from home as well. So I feel very blessed, and um, my heart goes out to all the folks who are really, really suffering through this pandemic. I right. care about all of them. All right, Dave, so first question. When did question. you start writing? Um, mm-hmm. Was it as a child? Well, I did start writing as a child, actually, in the fourth grade. My, my teacher gave me an assignment. I was supposed to write. Oh, she probably only wanted maybe one page um, <laughs> about my journey across the world. But after 14 pages, <laughs> I realized how much I loved writing. And wow. I started writing from then on. That's awesome. And and how many of your books turned into a film? This well, first... th- this is the first book to turn into a film. I'm actually... Congratulations. Um, Thank you, and I'm actually working on the next two with our director, Joanne Hawk, who um, wow. will be co-writing those with me. So we're it's it's fun. It's, yeah, I, I'm discovering how much fun it is. Yes. When you so, wrote, when you wrote the book, did you think that you would end it ended up becoming a movie? Well, I as as I wrote it, I always saw it as a film, and I've always wanted to um, mm. do something for family entertainment that I felt was safe for families that could be viewed by all generations. So I saw it that way, and then when I finished, when we last spoke, I decided to make a book trailer, which was a really cutting-edge thing to do, uh, like four or five years ago, I guess, now. And um, it it caught the attention of Fred Miller, and then the rest is history. Here we are today. Wow. Did you do the trailer yourself? I did. I had. It was the first film, of course, I'd ever ever done, and I hired a team. I decided to. I made the decision, um, and then within a month was filming, and. Um, just just got lucky. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, I just more than luck. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so, give us a brief synopsis. What is the film about? And you know, without uh, ruining the plot or anything, and, right. and twists and turns. Sure. Well, uh, in 1967, sisters Juliet, who is played by Darby Camp, and her sister Evangeline, who's played by Chandler Head are abandoned by their mother at their unsuspecting grandparents' farm in the small southern town of Fireside. Stunned by their sudden arrival, tender-hearted Walt, who is played by Corbin Burnson, and champion fiddler Ruby, who is played by Melissa Gilbert, graciously stand in for the missing parents and create one blue-ribbon recipe for a loving family. Wow. How did you manage to get two big stars like that? Well, we, we were blessed, and, and um, between the director and um, Rick Eldridge, um, one of our producers, we, we were, they reached out and, and were able to get this fabulous cast. And we, we have a lot of other amazing stars in the film, too. I mean, they all did, gave us an A, A-list performance. Yeah, you definitely have an A-list performance, and it's a story. It's a perfect story during this time period to look at things in specific ways of what how important family is and love. I talked to Corbin about this on Monday and that's, that's, that's one of the big things that comes back to regardless of the circumstances, the problems you're going through, love can conquer all. Well, that is true. I mean, you know, you can be going through difficult times in the world, um, such as the period that I wrote this about was during the Vietnam war. And certainly things were very difficult for families then. But um, 
even though that they're difficult, if you have a family unit that creates a safe environment, you can get through those times, and you can even look back on some moments in, in a fond way. Yeah, that's amazing how you, you just visualize this was a film when you started, because that's what entrepreneurs have to do. I mean, if they don't see it, uh, if they don't have the vision of it, it's just not going to happen, you know? Right. Well, it, it, I'm just really, really blessed by the, by the team that I wound up working with, too, who, who, who took this beyond my wildest dreams, really. Yeah, and now it's exploding. Now you've worked on number two, number three. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so so part of uh, this film that I think that the story is that grandparents are raising the two girls, and that's a story in itself. And how much was that happening in that time period? Not as much as today, I think. Am I right? Well, I I think maybe not quite as much, but it did happen. It always happened um, back um, because of different reasons. You know, families could get sick. They could you know, um, have certain issues that kept him from, from being good parents or being able to parent even when they want, you know, really wanted to. And certainly during the Vietnam War, families were separated. You know, often it was the dad during that period that he was away and moms were at home um, to raise children. And sometimes, you know, the, the moms did a great job and I, I know they all intended to and sometimes they um, fell short and needed to kind of punt to grandparents, or, or sometimes it was just overwhelming and they, they couldn't handle the job. But, um, of course, there are many families who did it, you know, very well and came out just fine and then intact. Yeah. It, it sounds like a real emotional film that uh, have your tissues with you, right? Well, you know, um, this I, I've been able to be in audiences where the, the movie has been viewed, and I can tell you how they responded. Um and for instance, when we when the film won the audience favored award in Austin, um, the audience was they were laughing um, out loud, just raucous laughter at some moments, and then crying, and they would cheer. And I think they felt um, all sorts of emotions throughout the wow. film. The whole gamut. That's the awesome. whole gamut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and how how happy have you been? How it's been received? That the movie's been received for the people who've seen it so far. Well, it's been received very well. As I just mentioned, it won the audience um, favorite award at the Austin Film Festival. Um, we were we were a special selection at the um, film festival in Indianapolis um, just uh, this past fall, and it did very well there as, as well. And um, we're we just feel very blessed and grateful. Wow, that's awesome. Um. All right, Dave. So, what I was part of uh, Marcy's background. What, how much of this of uh, the story is something when you grew up, or is it more about just a certain time period that you wanted to write about? Well, it's it's both things. Um, first of all, the the main storyline is fiction, but there are real moments um, within the story that were based on my childhood. I did um, grow up in Johnson City, Texas, for for at least my latter years and, and somewhat in my early years as well. And we, we all lived on the same ranch with my grandparents. Our, our family home was just about a mile down the road. So I saw my grandparents daily. And after they passed, I missed them terribly and wanted to um, just kind of cherish their memories and try to honor them in some way um, through um, the characters of Walt and Ruby. So while they weren't, they didn't look a thing like Walt and Ruby, except for um, Walt is rather tall. Um, my grandfather was very tall. He was like 6'4". My grandmother was 
uh, five feet with her shoes on, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and um, but they, you know, he was a rancher. She was uh, a blue ribbon gardener and um, a, a wonderful cook. So those moments were in there. Um, and in the book, there are moments where um, uh, that are that I pulled from family, like um, when Atasca crashes the uh, family um, vehicle into uh, or runs into a goat and kills a goat, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. That that was taken from <laughs> a real story. Um, for my family, um, there are humorous moments, and especially ones about um, not liking beets. I, I do not like beets at all, and so I, tr- <laughs> I decided to make a joke out of, of that. And um, have have we have moments in the story about not liking beets. There's a, there's a scene where um, the little girls have lice, and um, one time my daughter um, had it for quite some time, and I kept every day treating her, couldn't get, get rid of them. I'd used every product and you know that the drugstore had, and then called my sister one day. I said, "What on earth can I do?" And she said, "Well, put mayonnaise on her head and let her sleep in a, in a shower cap." Oh my gosh! Sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, it worked the first time, and and um, so that's in the film. I have stories of lice, Dave, that my kids have had. Oh my gosh! And I've and luckily it's not when, since we've had six. Knock on wood. More like when we had five and four of them mm. had lice and it was from school and oh, how awful is it especially with all the washing and all the different things yeah. and and the uh-huh. shampooing and it never could go away do you have those stories dave oh yes everybody has their life story <laughs> um i'm curious marcy uh you you really have a, a delicate balancing act here when you're talking about uh, the vietnam era because you know, it, it brings up so much uh, intense emotions on one yes. side of the political fence or the other. Um, right. How do you navigate that political message, you know, where you've got the anti-war people and then you've got the, the patriots, et cetera? Uh, tell us about that. Well, I didn't really feel the need to navigate it. I just presented it as as I remembered it and, and saw it, but without a... Um, slant on, on the po- political end. It was more about families and what happened to families. Mm. And so that was my approach. Just so you navigated it as well. <laughs> yes, especially for that type of a film, because your whole point of the book and the film is to really tell stories of that time period growing up right. and how uh, just different ways everyone learns to pitch in to, to help each other and have fun stories and fun uh, things. And when, how much did did you get the opportunity to, when the, it was being filmed to make sure your vision was showing up from the book to the film. That's a big challenge for many authors that that it's made into a movie, how to make sure that their, what they created doesn't disappear on the screen. Well, I, I was very fortunate in that I've been involved way more than most authors have been involved. Um, and I was there through the development process and was able to work on the ad- adaptation along with the screenwriters. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was a, really a group effort um, in that regard. And so, um, and I was lucky because I think they understood the characters, they understood the heart of the story and um, were able to really hammer that in. And I was on set um, every day um, through the filming process. I, I, I became um, the um, executive producer on the set, so I, I became wow. involved and am today. Yeah, you're very fortunate. Is that pretty common? I, you hear no. about these books that turn out 
the way the author did not want them to turn out in a film, and they're very disappointed. But obviously, that not the case with you. No, I think I think that must vary from project to project, and with depending on what your agreements are. But um, no, I've been really blessed and um, have a great um, working relationship with our director Joanne Hawk, and so we are, you know, as I as I speak, working already working on the next two projects. We get, we get along really really well and have similar similar memories as kids. We're the same age. And, yeah. um, you know, we have the same kind of sentiment about it and, and remembrances. So did you have, uh, I know you had a, a vision of the film while you were writing the book. Did you have a vision of who you would want to play your main characters? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, you've got a couple of great, yeah, you got some great people, but. Right, right. I don't think we could have done any better than what we did. I, you know, when I first started writing it, that was, quite a long time before I actually finished the work and, mm-hmm. and um, you know the, my idea of who would best fit those roles changed but we were very yeah. very fortunate to get Cloris and, and Corbin and Melissa yeah. and they really really made those roles come to life I was very pleased with their performances yeah awesome now thinking about Marcy your background before you wrote tell us about that because we, we do have a little bit more time I want to know more about Marcy and specifically enough, as I talked about when I introduced you before I introduced to Dave, that you've really helped a lot of people in your life. And this book is uh-huh. part of, you know, sharing your who you were growing up in certain ways. But what about the whole time you spent helping others? Tell tell our listeners about that. Some of the nonprofit work. Yeah, absolutely. You're yes. About, yes. Right? Well, um, I, I in, in conjunction with my wonderful husband, Lewis, um, have been very blessed to have been involved in a lot of projects. I served on the um, Children's Medical Center Foundation Board in Central Texas um, for 20 years, I think, on the executive committee. Um, served on um, lots of different nonprofit boards, um, like the International Fest- Festival Institute of Round the Top. I'm currently um, serving on the advisory council for Goodwill Industries in Central Texas, and we are working in the role of education in, in that, with that group. But there have been many others, and they've all been labors of love. I have really, really enjoyed um, our connection with our community and uh, of Austin and, uh, and beyond. They've been truly, we, we have been blessed by them. Do you see that in a lot of ways that that's what from giving back and doing such great things that makes it so that you want to make sure that the film is a family type film for everyone and they can learn. And there's a theme to this, especially your book and film is an important thing. There, mm-hmm. there, there is a connection. I, I wanted to create a film that was, was not to- toxic in, in society, something that would be mm-hmm. a positive um, role model and with our communities about, you know what what good parenting looks like or good you know what good grandparents could do what a difference two people can make in the lives of others i wanted it to be um rated so that all family members could view it and so ours is um from oh i would say if you've got a five or six year old on up to 90 something mm-hmm. years old well that's our audience it's, it's really that whole broad spectrum and it and um it's something that you can all sit in the living room and watch together or in a theater and watch together and not have to, you know, cover the eyes. Of the <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a gratuitous movie. I mean, there's, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of um, real meat to it, um, and hopefully they'll come away feeling uplifted and maybe as though some of it were cathartic for them um, on, on a certain level. I'm, I'm just hoping that everyone who views it will feel joy and that they will feel loved Mm. See, this is a missing well, film like in Hollywood for sure, and you should be commended for making for coming up with this idea. And as I said, I've watched the trailer. I'm going to watch the film, waiting for uh, your team to send me it so I can go ahead and uh, screen it. Especially when I get to interview the rests of the stars of the film. I love to promote a family-friendly film that's going to really tell the story of things, especially during a time period. And to learn about, you know, we have to understand that there are difficulties in this world and we're going to go through lots right. of hardships, but we have to keep going yeah. and we have to be thankful for what we have and be grateful right. for what we have. And so that other things can be given to us. If we aren't grateful for what we have, not it'll be taken away at one point in time. And we have to understand that and understand that gratitude. Now, Dave has a lot of gratitude and he has gone through some challenges just like you, Marcy, at times in life where hard times have hit him at something. But his story is really amazing. So that's why he said there's going to be a movie made about him. So go ahead and uh, ask Marcy this caregiving yeah. question. I'm, I'm just so excited for you that you've got all the boxes checked and your your goals are being accomplished through your film. And I only hope and wish that uh, that my film is just as successful as yours and and uh, what it's about is uh, about 22 years ago, uh, my wife, right when we were starting to enter into the emptiness phase of life, you know, and we had extra money, extra time, we raised our three daughters, we got them all out of the house. <laughs> we even got them married off, uh, each one twice. And uh, my wife started complaining to me about this headache she had. Three days just wouldn't go away, the headache of her life. And then by the fourth day, it turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And that moment, I had to become her caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was, but it was a tough two years. We almost broke up, but we hung in there, and we reinvented ourselves, and our, our love was rekindled. And after a while, I realized that there are other caregivers out there who were suffering, and I didn't want them to give up like I almost gave up. So I became Dave, the caregiver's caregiver, and I started a website, caregiverdave.com. I'm a best-selling author. spoken on 35 TV shows. I've spoken at Harvard with Suzanne Summers and uh, NASDAQ and Carnegie Hall with Martha Stewart and uh, you know it just keeps going on and on and now a film is coming and I'm just so excited my question to you Marcy is because uh, I tell in my book uh, it's my life too uh, that uh, if you're not a caregiver you know don't tune me out just wait you're either going to become one or you're going to need one those are your two options right. caregiving is going to touch your life in one way or another so tell me how it's touched your life well, definitely. Um, we, both my husband and I, have been caregivers. And first of all, let me commend you on on your work. That just sounds so so pertinent today. And yes, caregiving um, is a blessing and is also a real test of endurance. And you know that sometimes caregivers can wear out. I, I do know that because um, you can the test could go on for a very long period of time. So. Um, hats off to you and for not only surviving it but making it even better making your life better because of it and I think sometimes these situations ultimately turn into a gift you know through time I know um, we have been caregivers for you know family for you know our our parents before they passed and we are also adoptive parents mm. and, and also have helped to raise um, other children in addition to our four wow and, um, so, yes, I know about those uh, late nights of 
of you know worry and um, that it's you know emotionally taxing and physically taxing and yeah. like b- believing in, in in a higher power, believing in God, prayer and no. you know family, whether it's a family of friends or or, or an actual um, genetic family support from them can make a difference a kind word can make a difference all these things um, add up into um, you know success I think well I'm, I'm so excited to have met you and to hear about your book and your movie coming out and uh, kudos congratulations and well and to you too thank you thank you <laughs> well, congratulations to both of you and you're doing both tremendous work providing very positive things in a very challenging time period of in our existence as as uh, as a uh, as the United States and uh it, having positive things like your two stories out there really can make feel people feel better and and really know that they can get through the next day even though it's a hard day now Marcy first of all where can we purchase your book and then we want to also know the film launches in October correct 27 right October 27th to 29th Sure. My, my book is available on Amazon.com. I also have a, a website, which is www.firesidetexas.com or www.marcyhenna.com. And um, ticket, tickets for the movie go on sale on the 21st tomorrow, and they are available on fathomevents.com or at the local theater. If, if the audience would like to um, follow the, the, all the information about the movie, they can go on Facebook and look for When We Last Spoke Movie. Fabulous. I'm so glad I met you. And I'm, I'm hoping, especially when I come into Texas at sometimes, because when I'm back traveling again, I'm always going out to Houston. So we'll have to see if I make a side trip to Austin. Love to have a one-on-one with you at one point in time and see you know the continued uh, success of this story. And I'm here to promote it as much as possible to the day it comes out. And I love working with your team. And it was such a great story. And thank you for coming on. Well, Neil, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to meeting you in person. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. You'll listen to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity Slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensex enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. 
The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. And you know, when I talk about speaking to a director, I, this is the perfect person to talk to about this film. And you know what? I viewed it. I got to see it before. It's going to be in theaters on Friday. I hope some theaters on Friday, but also uh, available everywhere. Uh, I'm excited to welcome the director, Derek Bort of the movie Unhinged. How are you, Derek? Thanks for calling. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. It's a, you know exciting week. Oh, it's a it is an exciting week because it's just the, the thing that you think about, Derek, in this process uh, of this film is that guess what? Finally, we have a film that I think when the theaters are starting to open up again is perfect for the movies because I started watching this and screening this and I was on the edge of my uh, I guess laptop slash phone for that entire time and there was just no time to breathe if you decided to take a restroom break and if it was a, if you're in the theaters you miss out in the story and it would be really hard to catch up because you don't want to leave any second there was no downtime in this at all yeah yeah I'm sorry that you had to watch it on your laptop but uh, it, it is a, it's definitely uh, a film that uh, that's meant to be seen you know in a theater and and uh, you know, reduced capacity and all, it's still, it's still, uh, you know, it's, there's nothing like seeing it on, the, on that big screen with that, uh, you know, great sound and, and, you know, some people in the, in the theater to share that experience with and, and, and those jumps, the scares and the, and the tension, you know, it definitely plays really well that way. It definitely does. And it's just, and that's the process of how it starts out. It's just like, wham. And I don't want to give away anything in that. And it's more about, you know, thinking of the mind behind this. But I, like I said, I recommend everyone to go to this movie because in some sort of way, and you'll tell me Derek at the end again, cause I'm in, you know, Pittsburgh, but we're nationally syndicated across the country and we're internationally basically. So there are people already that have seen the film in other countries, but ultimately in the U S uh, they're going to have that opportunity and it's fantastic. And some theaters are open. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that now, Derek, as a director, cause I'm kind of learning more and more what that director's role is. You get the story. And then you envision what you see from that story. Am I correct as a director? Yeah, I mean, you know, you get a script, and uh, you know, unless you write it, unless you you know have written it yourself, you get a script, and and, and you you know, your job is to uh, interpret it and figure out how you're going to capture it on on a camera and translate it to to a screen. And and um, you know, thankfully, you know, you get some great tools to work with, and and um, you know, uh, from from the crew to uh, you know, obviously your cast and, and and you know everyone sort of comes together in this collaborative effort to translate this this script, uh, you know, into a finished product. 
I guess absolutely into a finished product, you, you, you hit the nail on the head in that process. And, and that's the interesting thing about a director that people don't understand always, Derek, and you always have to explain, well, what does a director do? Well, when you receive this story, how did that speak to you? Because I know, and I know it was before the pandemic, so this is perfect for pandemic people to watch this film because guess what? Many people are unhinged right now because of coronavirus and COVID-19 and all the unrest in the United States. But when you saw this script, what did you think? Your thoughts? Well, initially, you know, I was reading it and I just couldn't put it down. You know, I kept, uh, you know, it's like you keep turning the pages because you can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And this is this is one of those scripts that, that you know, uh, had that effect on me. And then once I was finished, I it, it left me with, with uh, you know, questions about, uh, you know, kind of where we are as a society today and the lack of civility and, and you know, where rage and anger have, have you know, come to. And, uh, you know, so it kind of hit me on, on both levels, kind of that immediate level of the thriller, the suspense of it all, but then also that sort of social commentary that, that kind of uh, is the backdrop for all this. Yeah, you wonder why things happen. Why do people go just ballistic, either in a mass shooting or just basically ballistic as road rage? And that that that's what surprised me because I mean I saw the trailer and then when I saw the film about the the storyline, kind of explain the storyline without giving anything away, Derek. Well, I think that, that it's uh, it's a story about kind of maybe uh, just how close any of us are on any given day to honking at the wrong person at the wrong stoplight uh, and and how things can go horribly wrong if you cross paths with someone who's having a, uh, you know, let's just say a far worse day than you are, um, you know, and it takes it to a a terrifying conclusion and, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of stops along the way, but it's, it's, Really, um, you know, just I think something that everyone can relate to that, that, you know, because we've all had some brush with with road rage or some kind of rage, you know, anger and and, and uh, violence are just so prevalent today that, that, you know, we're all so connected to it and, and have had some brush with it in some way that it's just that's what makes this film so relatable, I think. And it speaks of the protesters that turn violent or the people that are stuck in a protest and how that happens. And we're seeing it firsthand in you know, Facebook videos and everything. So everyone could say this could really happen. But it, what teaches me is I'm never, ever going to honk my horn when somebody is not at the stoplight after you saw the story of that uh, for sure. And the woman did not make the best decisions. And everyone could read that storyline in so many ways. But they have to see it. And I'm going to tell you right now, Russell Crowe is one of the best villains. This is a villain that you could be scared of beyond belief. This guy is sadistic, crazy, and somebody I would not, even though I'm six foot ten, want to honk the horn once you see what he's willing to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what Russell brings to this character, I mean, it, it, you know, he really is terrifying, as you said. And, I, you know, most, part of the fun of the, of the project was working with Russell to try to find a way into this character that's, that's at this point inhuman. You know, he's reached a point where the only voice he feels like he has after feeling invisible is as he says violence and retribution and and you know having a chance to work with russell and get into that character 
find a way for him to connect and connect to it on a daily basis while we were making this film was was challenging and exciting and really uh you know a must see for people absolutely a must see for sure so explain to me because i don't want to the storyline it's it's self-explanatory go watch the trailer unhinged right now uh before you go ahead and how can people see the movie now some areas is it going to open up in theaters of the country yeah yeah i mean i think we're going to be in theaters in 40 some states are going to uh have their theaters opening uh thursday or friday of this week and and uh you know, I think there'll be some places where where there'll be a delay, but uh, for the most part, I mean, uh, it seems like most of the theaters are open, and there's drive-ins that are open. I know we're, we're playing in a bunch of drive-ins. It's just a, definitely kind of, uh, I always felt like it had that drive-in movie oh, yeah. feel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's it, theaters only, theaters and drive-ins only. And, um, you know, uh, it's exciting to be the first film, first wide release in theaters. Um, you know, and yet that comes with a great responsibility of just making sure um, that that procedures are put in place. That, that it seems to me, from everything that I'm seeing, that between no touch entry and, and social distancing and, and distancing inside and masks and you name it, I mean, it seems like they're doing everything they can so that uh, you know the theater going experience can still still be available to people, but still but but be safe at the same time. Well. We're starting to open up theaters. I don't think we're at that level yet. I think they're going with the 16-cent theaters in Pittsburgh area, but all over the place. I don't know, but 40 states. Again, Pennsylvania, as you know, is one of the, I guess, strictest uh, for <laughs> coronavirus, COVID-19, <laughs> in the country. So uh, yeah. 40. So everyone, no one else can go ahead and watch it anywhere else except in the theaters. And I think that's great because that's where you need to see it is in the theaters. And Derek, I appreciate you coming by. Uh, we got to keep promoting it once, especially when it comes out in pits in the in the Pennsylvania area when theaters open with Unhinged. I'm happy to do another interview with you, Derek, or anyone else from the cast. So I appreciate you coming by. All right, take care. Everyone, check out uh, Unhinged in Theaters Friday. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here, simulcasted on freedom from addiction. And, you know, I love having this platform uh, to talk about truth just below the surface with my uh, good colleague and friend, Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? And uh, we have another interesting show for us today. And people just keep coming up with this QAnon thing. And it's amazing. You bring up QAnon, the president talks about it two days later. People are, people are listening, that's for sure. Well, um, thank you, Neil. And uh, this uh, just came in to me uh, last night. Uh, it was published by Jim Hoft. He's the owner of thegatewaypundit.com, which is a conservative news and opinion website. And um, it's so recently published that I haven't had time to do all my fact, check, fact checking because my uh, internet connection has been really slow for the last week or so. But I am fact checking the scientific data. And if anything comes back of significance different than what I am reporting today, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. So, I mean, it's just an interesting thing to know that that could happen when if really we could have cut 
the COVID deaths to that level. Wow. And do you think he's going to be on the side of Trump or the side of the Democrats? Well, I think he's going to be on the side of the truth. And uh, I don't like to make this a political statement. So I'm just going to give you this man's opinion. You can fact check it also. But the truth is the truth, regardless of which party or, or what other people who have other agendas want to say. There's a reason why we have COVID. And in my uh, personal opinion, if you look for the money, you'll find out uh, what the truth of the matter is. So let's get started with this. This has been published four days ago, and I'm going to read it to you. And I'm not going to offer an opinion as to the facts of the case in as much as I'm still uh, fact-checking the science. And here we go. Stunning evidence proves the effectiveness of HCQ in treating the coronavirus. Data should land Dr. Fossey in prison. The mainstream media can't hide this truth from the public forever. The latest international testing of HCQ treatment of coronavirus shows countries that had early use of the drug had a 79% lower mortality rate than countries that banned the use of this safe malarial drug. This means that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the CDC, the FDA, and liberal uh, news media and the tech giants have been pursuing a lie that has had deadly consequences. America has lost reportedly over 150,000 lives that could have been lowered by possibly 80% if HCQ use would have been promoted in the US. We are talking over 100,000 America lives could be saved. Then he uh, shows some graphs of the death rates in the United States versus other countries. He said, developing nations, Ukraine, Greece, Cuba, Morocco, Indonesia, Algeria, and others fared better than the U.S. under Dr. Fauci. To this day, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the CDC, and the FDA refuse to promote the use of HCQ in the early treatment of uh, the disease. Now, th this is a, is a big point. The other side of this discussion has said it's not effective, it's unsafe. Well, that's not true because they were studying the late use of HCQ. And the studies show that you have to get on it early to have these great figures. The American Thinker reported that the U.S. has up to 30 times more deaths per population 100,000 than countries that promoted early use. And the um, the graphs that he shows um, uh, indicate that 
of the countries with the most deaths per 100,000 start with number one, United States, then United Kingdom, then Spain, Italy, Sweden, Belgium, Brazil, Peru, Chile, Iran, Canada, Mexico. And the um, charts that he has provided show a 78.3% um, lower deaths rates if you were to use HCQ early on in the disease. They confirm the effectiveness of HCQ in treating coronavirus. And yet, Dr. Fauci, the CDC, and the FDA continue to downplay its effectiveness. You can read more at www.thegatewaypundit.com. And that was the report that I just got in yesterday and that I'm uh, doing my fact checking on. But uh, so far, what I've got is that these figures are verifiable. Wow. You know, I have to add something to this. If that's so true, if this is true, why are the numbers lower in other countries? Because they're using hydroxychloroquine. So, yeah. <laughs> and then yet they're complaining the United States is in such bad percentages. They just use the talking points in certain ways. They use it to screw up the chant so that they can have an expensive drug. So big pharma can make a lot of money here. Right. And also to make this a horrible situation to control us and to change our country's freedoms, making this virus the way to control us. That's my take if that's truth. Because why in the heck wouldn't everyone in this country that are our leaders want to use it unless there was a conspiracy against it because it would not reach the narrative to not reelect President Trump? Well, I have in my research, trying to find the truth for you guys, uh, talked to doctors that are in private practice, and we're talking about well over a thousand of their cases. And uniformly, they've been giving their patients HCQ and, um, and two other uh, drugs that aren't so maligned and they get close to 100% cure rate, and their patients don't go to the hospital, don't uh, get put on respirators, don't die. So, so these statistics that I've been able to find, and you can read the full reports on my uh, podcast, which is www.freedomfromaddiction.com libson.com spelling libson l-i-b as in boy s-y-n go there and listen to what these doctors have to say about what the actual truth of their clinical practices show as opposed to what the other side is trying to force down our throats and keep us from knowing the truth well another uh, fabulous show. And I was bringing this up before. How could it be that certain countries have hardly any cases of the coronavirus? And they have to be using this drug or drugs similar to this 
to treat early onset of it. Because if you can treat it early, it doesn't spread. And if it doesn't spread, you don't have a pandemic. That's so right. I had one respected uh, um, researcher that said, if the president would uh, give a proclamation that uh, this drug could be used, it could be released from the federal stockpiles, and that uh, there wouldn't be any negative repercussions uh, cushions against the doctors and pharmacists uh, nationwide. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming by when check you out at rev You talked about where you could check you out at your podcast and I appreciate you coming by and another great segment and co- covering truth just below the surface. So thanks again for calling. Thank you, Neil. Yeah.